Hello and welcome to Culture Sex Relationships with me, Justin Hancock. Another solo episode this week, and it is an Ask Justin episode. Um, so, here's the question. Hey Justin, I read your article on how to get a girlfriend, boyfriend, then friend, and really loved it. So, dear listener, I wrote this article for Bish, my website for everyone over 14, uh, bishuk.com. But also, if you scroll past, scroll back in through the podcast catalogue, you'll see um, I did a reading of it where I complexified it a bit as well and introduced a bit of theory, which I like to do. Uh, So scroll back if you've not heard that episode. What I would really love is some advice about applying this advice in your 30s. For the past year or so, every time I meet someone cute and engaging, they turn out to already be monogamously partnered. I'm also monogamous. It feels like there is truly a lack in single people which I hadn't experienced in my 20s and I'm starting to think I've really missed the boat. I have no problem finding casual sexual partners and I'm fairly conventionally attractive, intelligent, kind, funny etc etc and I have a good self-worth slash love that is untied to being partnered. But I do want to share my life with someone in a romantic relationship and I'm feeling a bit of despair that these connections can't or won't emerge due to my age and everyone else having already emerged with someone. Any and all wisdom slash advice, much appreciated. For extra context, I'm cis bi woman living in London, so how I'm finding this so hard, I do not know. Well, I'm really sorry to find, to hear that you're finding this so hard, and um, feeling a bit of despair does sound really tricky and difficult. Um, Despair is like a kind of a lack of hope. And so that does sound hard, and um, I'm really sorry that you're going through that. Um, So I suppose this is kind of taking my article about how to find someone, how to get a girlfriend, uh, boyfriend, or then friend, but it's kind of one stage further. So that article was kind of like, how do these connections emerge? How can we be, um, for example, some of the advice I was giving was, you know, how can we be interested and interesting? Um, how can we kind of notice connections? How can we be out in the world? Noticing the tiny moments when things are a little bit different. Um, how small changes to our appearance or our body can make big changes because of this kind of sense of the, the micro moments of how things might emerge. Um, but this is kind of like... Um, this is, you've already understood how those connections emerge because you're making connections of different kinds. But I suppose this is also about finding the right kind of connection. So I suppose this is a different kind of question to that. And clearly, something is happening about where and how and when you're finding these cute and engaging people who are then unavailable to you. And I think that is probably... Um, you know, the the main issue here uh, is that it doesn't seem to be that you're having a problem meeting people, but it is something about those connections which are um, not working out for you. And so I think this is the thing that we kind of would need to um, to really think about. So something is happening about about this cute and engaging. But so I think that's a really useful term that I think you might want to kind of explore a bit and dig into a little bit and kind of examine like what is cute and engaging and what are some of the entanglements around this you know what is happening when you're finding cute and engaging people I mean you might want to think back to the last time when you met someone and you 
just first noticed that kind of cute and engagingness about them you know what was it um because you know that is i mean i don't like to refer people back to to their to their deficits like the things that are going wrong but it might be a useful for you, thing for you to think about because if you, you 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 do because it sounds like you do keep repeating some of the same things um, so I think it's really important that you might want to reimagine what cute and engaging means in that specific moment. So perhaps go back to a moment where you found someone cute and engaging, but then they became ultimately unavailable. Really, like, what's going on there? Because uh, we might need to reimagine this. Perhaps there is some kind of like unconscious in uh, unconscious desire in your own lack. Um, perhaps. Uh, we are you are telling a story about yourself the subject and the other of these unavailable cute and engaging monogamously partner folk that you end up kind of unconsciously re-engaging in and we do this all the time we do tell ourselves stories we um or discourses you know and when i say stories i don't mean that they're made up i just mean that there are lots of different stories and whether their stories are true or not is uh, is less important than what do the stories do. And if you are engaging in a story where you find cute and engaging people but they're always unavailable, then it might be time to think differently about the story because that story is not helping you so far. And so it might be start you might start to find it more useful to think about a different story of what cute and engaging means, but also um, what's actually going on there. So. I think what I'd encourage you to do is to start thinking uh, more about um, start with like a kind of a freshness, uh, a fr- completely fresh approach uh, to meeting people. So I don't know whether you've seen, uh, I don't know whether you're a patron and whether you've seen any of my recent uh, zine articles I've been doing over at Patreon, but I've got this. Um, the first page of this new zine I'm working on, dear listener, uh, at uh, patreon.com forward slash culture sex relationships. Sign up for a pound and uh, get access to this new zine I'm working on, as well as lots of other exclusive content, as well as helping make the show available. I've got this zine, which is about, um, which is called Affect, Feel, Think, Do. And so the affect is like the effect that something has on our body. When we're affected by something outside of us, what effect does that have on our body? What does our body do? And it could be, you know, our breathing or uh, how our body responds. Do we smile? Do we open our eyes a little bit more? Do we hunch over or are our our shoulders open and relaxed? Or uh, uh, do we, you know, what do we see or hear or sense or feel or smell? You know, engaging with what's actually happening in our body and then what feelings might we have like what feeling words might we uh, might we kind of understand our body doing here what kind of reasoning might we apply what might be what uh, how might we reason with these kinds of feelings or what stories might we tell ourselves or thinking about our experience what by what might be a useful kind of story or reasoning for what's going on in the situation and then what might we do um, and then, and then if we, and then once we're doing something or doing something else, what effect does that have on the body? And I think that before you get into um, 
any more like cute and engaging uh, encounters with someone. I think it might be really useful just to really try to kind of catch yourself. It's very easy for the body to be swept along in those kinds of situations. You know, on the podcast, I call it micro moments of positivity resonance. You know, check your bingo card uh, if you're still playing uh, Meg John and Justin bingo. Um, but, you know, that uh, very powerful drugs uh, go off in our brains uh, when we feel a, a connection with someone. You know, oxytocin helps us to kick in, it helps us to tune in uh, to somebody. Um, and our neural pathways map onto the other person, our pupils dilate, our hearing adjusts to hear the other person. The vagus tone kicks in, which regulates our heartbeat and helps us to stay connected with that person. And those connections can feel really, really powerful. But, you know, those connections um, are not necessarily good. And in... in uh, in a bit I'm going to talk about why that's sad um, and so I think it might just be really useful to to go back to to this and to kind of re-examine cute and engaging and, th- and instead think about okay what's happening to the body what feelings am I having what th- what thoughts help me to process this how can I reason this how can I best make sense of this what's useful and what can I do? What can what kind of creativity can I bring to this? What can or you know what can I do next, which will really um, help me? Uh, and to also to have like a kind of a curiosity uh, about this as well. And then hopefully, what might start to happen is that when we're applying reason a little bit more, and instead of you know just going with the very strong bodily affects that we have when we have these connections. Just being able to just check ourselves and say to ourselves, "Oh yeah, this is micro moments of positivity resonance." How can what reason? What reasoning can you use? What kind of? Uh, how can you we engage our mind in ways that can help us here? How can we find? How can we start to identify an unsuitedness earlier on? How can we just see? Oh, this is a nice connection, but this person's not for me. Okay, um, and so. Bringing in some kind of unknowingness about this, I think, is really useful. And trying to have this kind of more like uh, trying to free yourself of previous stories about, you know, cute and engaging, but also your your story about, um, you know, I can't seem to find anyone who is available. And, uh, you know, it might be that your age is a factor. It might be that, uh, you know, there are fewer people around who are available in the 20s. Uh, in the thirties and they were in the twenties, probably that is true. And maybe, maybe, maybe there is a different dating culture happening at the moment. But certainly, that's not going to be that's you know that's not going to be true for everyone. Those stories aren't true for everyone. That there, there are no essential stories about you. Um, I'm just going to read like a bit of Wittgenstein, a Wittgenstein quote that I used when I was talking in a previous episode about uh, solution-focused therapy. Um, so what Wittgenstein says here is what I give you what I give is the morphology of the use of an expression. I show that it has kinds of uses which of which you had not dreamed. In philosophy, one feels forced to look at a concept in a certain way. What I do is suggest or even invent other ways of looking at it. I suggest possibilities of which you had not previously thought. You thought there was one possibility or only two at most, but I made you think of others. Furthermore, I made you see that it was absurd to ever expect the concept to conform to those narrow possibilities. Thus, your mental cramp is relieved, and you are free to look around the field of the use of the expression and to describe the different kinds of uses of it. 
And so I think what I would draw from that is, um, is that there are hundreds of available stories for why it is that you're not in a relationship with someone, okay? Find a story, find a discourse, find a way of looking or a perspective that's gonna help you more. Because thinking, there are all these unavailable men and uh, I'm gonna find this harder as I get older is maybe true, but it may also not be true and it may also not be helping you. Um, and so unlearning some stuff and bringing in some unknowingness can be a really, really useful tool because then it means that you start doing things differently. It means that you start kind of paying attention to things that you might not have seen before um, and looking for different kinds of responses, reactions, different ways that your body is engaging, the different emotions that you might be having, the different thoughts you might be having and the different things that we might do. All of these are always up for grabs. And this is the thing that I think is really useful um, about this idea of emergence because we're all constantly emerging. And if we tell ourselves a story and discipline and monitor ourselves with that story, then it prevents us from becoming other. And we end up just unconsciously repeating and doing the same things. There's a friend of mine who's kind of, you know how we all have kind of uh, like ticks you know kinds of like the kinds of things that we just often say as a kind of like a uh, a verbal tick a kind of like a, an affective thing that we often just say in conversation uh, mine is probably um or uh, yeah or something you know but i've got a friend who's i don't who's who's um tick is i don't know and she just says, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And she kind of, kind of sees this as a kind of, um, like, uh, I think a bit annoying because I think she finds it is displaying a degree of, revealing a degree, a degree of uncertainty, which she finds annoying. But I think it's quite useful because it's like, well, I don't know. And if you were, if you to, if you were to start entering into relationships and thinking about relationships with the sense of, I just don't know. Yeah, I've got no idea. Um, I think that might be really, really useful. Because then it's like, then it forces us to pay attention and to be curious and to be kind of more in the moment about, about possibilities. But also to be able to advocate for ourselves and to, be, and to notice when someone is just monogamously partnered, okay? Because there's clearly some kind of, you know, maybe there's some kind of story that you're getting into that, you know, some kind of thing that you're repeating which might... Um, which you could do with unlearning and unrepeating. Um, I think also the other thing which is really important to think about this kind of cute and engaging thing and those maybe these micro moments that you're having with people is that it might feel like joy. It might feel quite joyous. You know, that sense of connection with someone might feel like, um, might feel like a sense of joy. But actually it's not. It's sad. And this is where I'm bringing in some uh, the work of uh, Spinoza, the uh, 17th century Dutch philosopher, Baruch uh, Spinoza. And he says, and I've been writing about this lately, and again, this is in my new zine that I'm working on at patreon.com forward slash culture sex relationships. He would say that there are two main emotions, joy and sadness. Joy is the body's increased capacity to act. Sadness is the body's decreased capacity to act. And when we say body, we also mean mind here because um, Spinoza um, thought that the body and mind acted in parallel, that every physical um, affect is an emotional one and every emotional aspect is a physical one. 
uh, unlike Descartes, who thought that they were the body and mind were separate. And so, in this moment of where you're finding people cute and engaging yet unavailable, it's a sad thing because it's reducing your body's capacity to act. Right? It's it's uh, yeah. In kind of basic terms, it's kind of like also almost like taking away your agency. And even though it feels like a really nice connection, it's a sad connection because they don't have capacity to act and you don't have capacity to act. It's a lose-lose. It's bad for both of you. Um, and so what we want to look for are win-wins where you're both increasing your capacity to act. And this is the thing that we can do if we start to unlearn some of the things that we've already been doing and start paying attention to how our body's affected, what emotions we might have, what we might be thinking and how we might do things differently. So I think that's worth kind of really engaging with because we might want we might want to go to the cute and engaging moments and think oh that was nice but but actually if you if instead you think those weren't nice moments that was like a moment of like sadness in a Spinozan sense that I don't actually want to repeat again I'm going to stay away from those kinds of feelings because it's only heads in this kind of for me it's been an unhelpful kind of feeling and I want to have you know, I want to experience joy and something else. So if you actually just see those moments of cute and engaging as being bad and unhelpful, I think that you, that might be also helpful to you. And obviously, you might need to consider fishing in different ponds. Like, I don't know where you've been meeting these people who are cute and engaging but unavailable. But, you know, uh, you, you might need to start doing some things which are uh, kind of, um, well, even within an entanglement of different relations where everything is all entangled up with everything else in a complex kind of uh, rhizomic system, uh, which is what I talked about in the article, how to get a girlfriend, then friend or boyfriend. Um, we can make decisions, we can do things. And in um, uh, feminist new materialism, we would say that it, we make an agential cut so that we we do make decisions to, to shift our rhizome in very kind of different kind of dramatic ways. So it could be that some of the things that you need to do are literally to just, if you're finding yourself meeting people in certain situations, which in in the past have been led to these cute and engaging moments with unavailable people, don't do don't go to those situations. Don't be in those situations. Don't even try to have those kinds of conversations in those situations. You might need to just, in order to do something very different for a bit and take yourself out of it, try something else entirely. So I don't know how you're doing this. It might be that you use particular dating sites or you're dating um, people from your uh, local community or uh, part of an organisation you might be in or from work or... Um, I don't know I don't know where you're dating people because you don't say, but try something very, very different. And here I remind myself of the excellent episode of Seinfeld called The Opposite, um, where... Um, George starts off being, it's a very famous episode, you should watch it, it's very, very good. Uh, George starts off uh, the episode uh, not having a job, not having a girlfriend, not having a place to live. And he finds that by doing the opposite of every one of his instincts, he ends the episode with a girlfriend, with a job and a place to live. Obviously, he ends up being miserable because he's George from Seinfeld. But, you know, but Jerry says, you know, if every instinct you have is wrong, then surely the opposite would be right. And so it might be worth just trying some very, very different things, like just kind of making, uh, you know, making these kind of agential cuts to see whether things can emerge in a very drastically different way. 
in that way it might start to refresh everything it might start to help you to see other stories it might jolt you out of this sense of um, what's been going on for you and and of course it might put you and put your body in a completely different kind of state and you might be able to see something other than cute and engaging you might be able to see um, you know uh, sexy and overwhelming or um, quite nice but I'm not sure uh, or uh, good on paper let's see how this goes uh, or <laughs> um, you know they seem okay but let's see what they're like it's snogging or uh, you know how they how do they feel about you know holding hands or having a couple of dates or you know just trying something completely different I think is possibly quite useful kind of quite basic advice <laughs> uh, but you also might want to put the feelers out with the rest of your peoples like the rest of your rhizome the rest of your 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 relations um, you know what about being set up by a friend for example you know put the feelers out and say look here's the thing uh, I'm in my 30s I'm looking for someone to be in a monogamous relationship with want this kind of you know big romantic share my life with someone relationship which might not be for everyone anymore but it's certainly that it's certainly what a lot of people really really want put it out there and say look I'm willing to be set up or just you know Tell, show me show me the people who are available <laughs> um and what if what if a friend of yours just set you up you know and then this gives you the kind of this gives you the opportunity to think oh well what might other people say about me or what would other people do in this situation what do they think might be a useful thing and how do people you know I think it's useful to think about how other people see us because we are in the world and uh, we are connected with the world we are deeply enmeshed with everyone in our in our relations we don't exist as these kind of um, uh, atomized uh, subjects uh, subjectivity is um, always a flow and always in relation to everything else around us and I think if we tap into that and tap into this resource then Again, we can start to lose some of the kind of stories we have around ourselves, but we can also um, incorporate into our desire uh, for becoming and our desire for emerging everyone else in our rhizome. So it might be quite useful for you to say, um, you know, who do you see me with and can you set me up with someone to your friends? And also kind of let maybe see what cute and engaging looks like to other people. <laughs> uh, you know, let them... Let other people in your life kind of, uh, you know, not tell you what to do, but give you a new perspective, a different lens upon which to look on people. And, you know, maybe just to coach you a little bit into just trying something new and getting away from the story and the thing you've been doing already, which, you know, let's face it, you've not been finding very helpful. It's led you, a, led you to a bit of despair and finding this all very, very difficult. Um and again, in speaking of uh, different ponds, if you are doing online dating, different online dating websites do have completely different vibes. Uh, you know, I myself, uh, I'm on, I've been on various apps. Uh, if you're on Field, for example, that's mostly people not wanting. Um, probably, I think it's mostly people not wanting a big rom romantic monogamous relationship. For example, there might be other websites that might suit you much better. 
Um, sadly, there are no uh, left uh, post-capitalist uh, online dating sites. And if you listen back to my um, excellent conversation with uh, uh, Alfie Brown about his book Dream Lovers, uh, which is a few episodes back, you'll hear uh, you know, our critique of uh, online dating and enamoration and uh, and the... Um, uh, and the different the different theoretical models around looking at that from uh, Roland Barthes and others. But anyway, um, so uh, but yeah, you could try different online dating sites. Also, you know, dear listener to culture sex relationships, if you live in London and you fancy going on a date with someone uh, who is uh, by and wants a big time monogamous relationship. Uh, why not drop me a message and, you know, I'll be Scylla Black. I'll put you together. You know, I'll set people up. <laughs> also, if uh, you are members of the Culture Sex Relationships uh, Patreon, I'm just kind of making this up, so this might be a bad idea, but I have a Discord server. You could all chat to each other and see, and just kind of ask around and see if, you know, if anyone might be interested in a very respectful way in having a relationship or a date or whatever, you know. Use this as, as a resource. <laughs> um, I'm only semi-joking about that. Uh, if you if you do think that that would be um, useful, let me know, and I'll you know, I can try and map. You know, I, I can match make people. Right. So I hope you found that kind of useful. I think I've. Um, I think really it is this kind of like um, bring some unlearnings and some unknowings into something. Start thinking of using the term I don't know quite a lot more as your kind of like your first go-to. And instead of getting into cute and engaging, as soon as you're starting to feel that mm, someone's cute and engaging, this is happening again, really try to just slow that down and come back to the body, come back to the feelings, come back to the th- your thoughts and your reasoning, crucially, and thinking about what you might do differently. And really just try doing something. And... And then try doing a big agential cut. Try doing something big and different, um, and and seeing what emerges from that, um, and to bring in some more unknowingness. And you know, the unknowingness is quite scary, and um, but it is also pop, you know possibly exciting. But also, we need to have a bit of bravery around it because. Um, you know, holding on to our stories can feel like a kind of a, you know, a um, comforting uh, kind of story. And that it's comforting to, it can, sometimes might feel comforting to think that we know ourselves and that we know that this is our situation and this is the reason why our life is this way. But actually, I don't think that's how lives work. I think that we are, are all constantly emerging and I think if we get in the way of ourselves emerging through discourses or through what it is that we do or, uh, or, or whatever, then we're not helping ourselves. You know, we are all becoming other uh, and we are constantly moving and changing and growing and unfixed and unmoored. Um, and I think that's really useful. Uh, well, I hope that's really useful. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Dear listener, one more plug. So I am making these zines where um, it's kind of like the zines that I did for with Meg, John and Justin. But this time it's just me. And they are uh, really good. I'm working on them kind of 
uh, every couple of weeks there's a new zine page coming out the idea is you print them off and you can work on them they're kind of like worksheets and it involves a bit more theory and so far we've looked at um this idea of affect feel think and do we've also got a bonus um episode featuring dr eleanor yanaga friend of the show where we look at the microcosm uh, which is like a, a medieval kind of understanding of the body in relation to the macrocosm, which is uh, the universe. It's very, very interesting about um, earth, fire, air, and water, and how they relate to different aspects of ourselves. Very interesting. Uh, and we think about, um, there's a zine page on how we're affected by things, what affects us, and one about Spinoza and joy and Spinoza and sadness, and what these mean. Uh, and so uh, do if you want some of those resources do uh, head to the patreon patreon.com forward slash culture sex relationships just a quid a month and you can access everything all the bonus bits um right i hope that you found that interesting and uh if you have a question that you would like me to answer on the show um uh, please 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 send me a question it's just so much easier if i have questions to do to do and then i can do more podcasts you're helping me make the show um in you can either just email me direct culture sex relationships at gmail.com uh with your question that i'll do on the show or if you want to do it more anonymously than that there's a google um survey link in the description for the podcast via my link tree and you can just go and answer, ask me a question anonymously there Please, please, please ask me your questions. Imagine if, you know, imagine I'm like Dan Savage, but, you know, better. Uh, uh, just send me tons of questions and I'll answer them all. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.